Hello, it's Lita here from Community Finance Ireland, and welcome to our podcast series. Changemakers are in every community, they're in every city, and they're down every rural road, right across the island of Ireland. This series meets with those amongst us who choose change. Their stories demonstrate what can be done when we work together. And here at Community Finance Ireland, we speak finance, but we hear people. And we really do hope you enjoy listening to them. Hi, uh, it's Community Finance Ireland here and it's Lita and we are here in the beautiful village of Kilchima in County Mayo, right up on the um, beautiful country land. And I'm with Joe Kelly, CEO of IRD. Hi Joe, welcome. Hi Lisa. And You're thanks for taking some time to come and have a chat with us. Uh, we're delighted mm. to be here. Um, we're just going to have a little conversation around IRD and just, you know, your involvement with it and then want to talk about some of the projects that we've been walking around and some of the people we've met today um, with some of your team. Um, tell me a little bit about IRD and how you came to your role as Chief Executive Officer. Okay, well, Lita, you're very welcome uh, to, to Kachma, first of all. And uh, I suppose IRD started in the late 80s. Um, it was as a result of an immigration survey that was carried out at the time. That showed that about three quarters of our young people uh, were leaving the area in order to find work. Most of them were never returning. And it was a common thing that maybe a family one by one of five or six uh, children would have to leave the area, leaving elderly parents <coughs> behind at that stage uh, to, to, to basically fend for themselves as they, as they got older. And uh, so something needed to be done uh, about that. The town showed the ravages uh, of that decline. Uh, it was a weekly occurrence that businesses would close uh, and, and so on. And about 40% of the buildings in the town were derelict and idle. And when I say derelict in that sense, I mean totally derelict. The other 60%, because there was no reason to invest, weren't a million miles behind the, 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 the other ones. So the town looked very, very poor as well. There was really no reason for people to stay here and, uh, and no opportunity really for them to, to, to stay here either when it, when it came down to it. So the organisation was, was set up, a group of people came together uh, and tried to set it up on a different platform to anything that had been done before. And uh, so in 1988-89, uh, <coughs> um, a group of maybe eight or ten people prepared a prospectus what could be done uh, in the area for the people of the area if people bought in to the, the, the concept and support of what it was that we were doing for a period of four years at, at least. And that prospectus was uh, ten items. It was no more really than a wish list of projects. Uh, nothing more coherent in it really than, than that, things that could, be, that could be done. And that pr prospectus was taken door to door and it the, the request was uh, £2 per week uh, per wage earner uh, and uh, it was sold on the basis of <coughs> would you give the price of a packet of cigarettes as they were then, two mm. pounds obviously, or a pint of beer, you know, to have the opportunity that maybe your uh, child or children might be able to come back uh, to, to, to the area if they've gone, if they've gone away. And uh, invariably people bought into it and over the course of the first year uh, about £42,000 as it was then was raised and that level of funding continued over the next, uh, the next four years. And that money was used basically to do two, two things at the time. One was to take 
what was a unique step for any voluntary community organisation uh, into professional staffing, uh, management and a, and a full-time, uh, full-time office. <clears throat> and the second thing uh, that the money was used to do was to create a kind of a seed fund for projects. Uh, organization like, organizations like ours can often uh, access maybe a 50% grant or a 60% mm. grant or whatever towards something that we're trying to do or refurbish or whatever is the case may be. But you need to have the other um, 50% in, in cash or a means of raising it. So that was the other thing that it was uh, used to do. And I suppose finally as well, having a cash fund like that meant that we could go to the local authority, for example, or state agency and say, look at Cashmont needs such a thing. We have a thousand euro or five thousand euro, mm. whatever is the case may be, to put to it. That's our commitment. You know, can you uh, g- give something to it as well? It's leverage money, I suppose, at that stage. So Where you were approached when this initial sort of seed funding or the community had given a contribution of money and therefore they had some people to employ and you were you one of the first employees so, uh, of Irati? The first manager started in uh, February uh, 1990 yeah. uh, and uh, John Higgins was the, 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 the manager or CEO at that mm. stage uh, and John stayed with the company uh, until February of uh, January or February 1995 and uh, I took over as CEO at that stage, having been in the position of enterprise manager uh, for uh, about four years before that. Uh, my initial role in the company was uh, to take on and develop the first enterprise centre where our own office is, uh, and also to... And that's the office that we were in earlier today, that's, the that's in just earlier. in the absolutely <coughs> bang in the centre of Exactly, Kilchimak. of Kilchimak. Developed yeah. there uh, out of derelict sites, yeah. uh, purely uh, to, to, to try and create a hive of activity in the centre of the town. Mm -hmm. There was no point in us having uh, a bustling enterprise centre in a field two miles outside of town. So the decision was taken at the time, uh, you know, to to use uh, some of the derelict sites. So uh, an old um, builder's provider's premises and a furniture showroom uh, was purchased. I think it cost about £117,000 at the time, which was a lot of money money, uh, back then. (coughs) <coughs> and that was developed in two phases into 10,000 square feet uh, of enterprise workspace, the initial enterprise centre that we had. And when we were over there earlier today, uh, we saw a, a real diversity of people who were using that centre. So there was a graphic designer, there's an accounts company that are there. Yeah. How many people are actually in and out of that building on there a daily basis? There are probably 25 people working okay. in that building so right now. It's, it's, it's quite a hive of activity and it's, it's completely diverse. Uh, uh, even the local scouts uh, troop have uh, premises from us at the, at, at the back uh, of the building. So uh, it's, it's not just business, I suppose, we look to support. There's also a social uh, dimension of what it is that we do as well. But we have everything else in that uh, company from uh, companies that, that, that do big warehousing uh, inventory systems uh, right through to uh, the, the seaweed uh, company. Uh, Sealac. Sealac, exactly. And that's a father and son <coughs> business. Uh, fa- fa- father and daughter. It's a, it's a family business. Family really. business, uh, yeah. yeah. husband and wife and, and, and two daughters. And uh, a new business, a business that has uh, to some degree grown out of one of the existing businesses that we had in that building and now has moved to the Cairn uh, building here. Uh, 
So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely diverse. We even have a cleaning company there, yeah. uh, a place that you can go to get all your printing and copying done. And uh, one of the more recent additions uh, are we have two, uh, what I suppose you call counselling uh, uh, services. One is victim assistance, yeah. and uh, which is set up just over a, a year ago. <coughs> so we have the National HQ, actually, for victim assistance, people that are affected by, by crime and, and, and uh, the aftermath of, of criminal activities or, 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 or that. Uh, and um, uh, more recently then we have uh, helpling support services who have uh, uh, our Galway um, uh, counselling service uh, that are setting up a Mayo base and again we have the Mayo HQ uh, for that. Uh, and so there's quite a diverse group of people all completely. working together based on what you've brought to the community up there. Absolutely. And then here where we're sitting today, beautiful views over Mayo and the fields. Um, this is the Carn Centre, which is additional proposition number two, I suppose is how we would call it's it. It's actually proposition number, number three. three. Yeah. But talk to us about Carn because here okay. we've met some incredibly um, innovative companies as mm -hmm. well and the facility here. It's quite a surprise to see a building of this calibre in this location. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how that came about. So I suppose first off, uh, Kachmaz always tried to be completely different in everything it is that we do. Uh, if I roll back on non-enterprise related stuff to 1993, one of our first projects uh, of, of scale uh, was a sculpture park. We had an area of ground uh, and we wanted to be something different to the towns around about. And uh, so we ran a training school in sculpture because we couldn't get funding for sculptures, right. but we could get funding for training. Right. Uh, and uh, that yielded um, 10 sculptures in uh, Sculpture Park, a nice leisure, uh, serene setting, peaceful setting. And uh, so going on from that then, we also um, uh, were going against the grain because we developed a children's fun park, uh, an outdoor playground in the mid 90s when the councils were closing these all over the country because of the level of claims and followed that up with uh, an indoor facility uh, in the year 2000. It shouldn't exist and wouldn't exist in a town the size of Kelchmop, uh, only uh, for the way it's provided as a social enterprise uh, 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 business. <coughs> Certainly from the point of view of uh, it being a commercial reality, it just, yeah. just shouldn't be in a town. And I know side. you said to us earlier on that in the hinterland here there's about eight to 1,000 people in the local area, but some of the people that I met here are travelling in as far as Westport and coming up from, is there people coming up from Galway? So it does reach quite a, it a does, distance, yeah. the, the, it? The town is about 1,200 population. Okay. Uh, the hinterland uh, then besides would probably uh, bring it up to about four, four and a half thousand people. Um, so, but beyond that then, in the Carn building, um, uh, there are a range of skills required for the businesses that are here that wouldn't be necessarily within the Kelchamot area. Okay. Uh, so these people, you know, drive in from Westport or Ballina or yeah. wherever is the case may be. There are local people working here as well, of course. Uh, but uh, I suppose if I, if I go forward to the Carn building itself, um, in uh, maybe 2003, 2004, <coughs> um, uh, 40,000 square feet as it was then because we have an additional phase mm. of uh, enterprise workspace as well, which was part of the old Irish Spinners factory that would have closed in the 70s. So in addition to the initial 10,000 square feet, we had bought another 30,000 square feet and that was full of larger kind of warehouse uh, units and so on as well. Uh, so by 2003, 
the question was, well, where do we go from here? And we did yeah. a community consultation at the time, and obviously more jobs uh, and, and, and activity in the, in the local areas, what came out of that. And as part of uh, the planning process for the Karen building as well, we discovered that Mayo has one of the highest levels of third level participation uh, per capita of any county in the country. So if you were born in Mayo, you're more likely to end up going, going through some third level cor course or getting a third level qualification than you would be in pretty much any other county in the country. But we also discovered uh, that Mayo has one of the lowest levels of graduate employment per capita of any county yeah. in the country. So that meant you went away, you got your degree. It was but really a passport for export. Yeah. The chances of you coming back to Mayo to use your qualification were slim. Were slim. Uh, so we were losing people that way. Uh, government decentralisation, uh, this great uh, process that they had uh, for the public sector, uh, was also uh, the buzzword, the key yeah. thing at the time. People and looking at how that might be an <clears throat> opportunity for their community. Exactly. And what we looked at from the point of view of, well, if there's this uh, appetite for uh, public sector decentralisation, mm. surely there's the same appetite for private sector decentralisation. So you have people in uh, private businesses that had maybe done well, people with a connection to Caltemore, or at least to Mayo, uh, that would like to move back to the area to raise their families or whatever, as the case may be. So anyway, um, uh, putting all that together, we had a site uh, and we got plans drawn up. Uh, and I suppose the other thing that fed into it as well was we had incubated uh, one project that had grown from two jobs in 1992 uh, to about 40 jobs in the year 2000 and outgrown our initial centre. Uh, and these were good, clean graduate jobs, a lot of them, uh, employing young people uh, and giving people the opportunity to, to start and raise a family in the area. And, and in the IT sector. And we said, well, hang on a minute, you know, put all this together, maybe we can replicate uh, what, what had happened with that particular company. Uh, so we went all out for uh, the Karen building. Uh, we uh, found and uh, invested seven million euro uh, in, the, in the building here. Uh, and, a significant uh, amount of money. It's uh, so a fair significant amount of money, all right. Uh, and I don't know, uh, would we have the courage maybe to go quite as deep again? Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, it was, it was a lot of money at the, at the time. But the success <coughs> is that you're now currently at 94% occupancy yeah. here, aren't you? We had a peculiar kind of history in it. Uh, I suppose we took possession of it in 2009 from the builder and uh, probably at the wrongest possible time. Not there's ever a good time because everything yeah. is always in a cycle up or down. But, recession. Uh, but it really has was in the teeth yeah. of the recession. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we changed tack a little bit. Uh, there was an opportunity we figured for uh, the public sector decentralisation project that was looking for space to maybe come mm -hmm. here. Uh, we pursued that for three years. Uh, uh, with the benefit of hindsight we probably shouldn't have bothered mm -hmm. uh, but we did uh, and uh, so it was 2012 when we gave up on that and ended up with our first private sector uh, t tenant in the building here and from 2012 to 2017 remember we're still in the teeth of the recession uh, we could always get about 15% occupancy here so we'd have three suites out of the 12 yeah. occupied if suite 4 became occupied the tenant in suite two would move out or something. We, it was always stuck on three. Yeah. Uh, and then in February 2017, uh, things seemed to change almost overnight. Uh, and two significant things happened. Uh, one is um, 
one project that we've been dealing with for uh, four years, which was the Photonomy project, yeah. the Hone uh, 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 branded project, uh, had finally taken the decision to make this thing happen and to, to occupy the space here. And the second thing that happened is that we had a, a, approaches from two separate engineering companies, uh, that uh, civil engineering companies, to locate their kind of planning uh, and health and safety divisions uh, in space here, where there were uh, growing beyond uh, what space that they, uh, they, that, that they yeah. had currently uh, where they were. And uh, so all of a sudden uh, we're up at 64 uh, plus percent occupancy yeah. and the rest seem to follow from there. It's like anything else, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, you it, get a couple it, of anchor tenants exactly. and they all come. And exactly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're uh, getting a bit of notoriety and it becomes uh, the hospitable place and people yeah. are kind of attracted towards it. Yeah. Uh, good so energy and a good environment. Good energy across, and a good yeah. environment. So uh, we, we have a range of, of, of different tenants here. Uh, but today we're at 94% occupancy. We've one suite out of a possible, uh, or out of a total of 15, uh, which is available. Uh, and uh, uh, But we were at 100%. Yeah. Uh, now, arguably, we're better to have one suite uh, available for any potential tenant that never know uh, exactly puts their, their head up. Exactly. So when you look at the 94% occupancy here, <coughs> you look at the businesses that are operating out of IRD centre in Kilchima itself, Share with us a little bit about what you believe are the social impacts to the community for what IRD has been able to do in the 28 years that you've been at the helm, as they call it. Okay. Uh, well, IRD has done a number of things, I suppose. Number one, uh, it has done a lot uh, by way, we would argue, of, of, of improving the quality of life. There's a lot of facilities and amenities in the town. Mm. Uh, things like the mini greenway along the Bohola Road, uh, uh, something that people can walk safely on uh, at, at, at even at night or e evening time and so on, separated from the, the, the road and so on. Places like the Sculpture Park, we have the Town Hall Theatre and Conference yeah. Centre that uh, is used by local groups and that as well. Uh, Places like the Sculpture Park, the Wetlands Park across the across the road here, uh, again all leisure areas for, for And for I people. hear that you've also kind of encroached a little bit with <coughs> Tourism Ireland, there's Japanese tourists coming for local music in the local hotel, would that be fair to say? Uh, I'm not aware of it. But <laughs> I heard that there was a group of them coming up just to hear the local musicians, we might need okay. to go and hear them ourselves one of these days. Okay, um, it's, it's quite possible. Um, so behind, behind the success, you know, obviously there's been um, the need for funding and you mentioned it earlier about, you know, the support that you got from the Leader Council, uh, different areas and uh, opportunities for funding. A blended approach about how you take the risk. Share with us a little bit about where and how you came to find the, part, the right partners to help you with funding. Um, I, I suppose it's 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 opportunistic, uh, really, and, and and that's one of the things that <coughs> maybe gets lost a little bit in community development. Where uh, I suppose the purists kind of think, well, it's all about democracy and so on. Sometimes, uh, you know, just because you think or a group of people think that the project is the right project for the town and area, doesn't mean to say it's deliverable because you may or may not be able to access funding for yeah. it or permissions, as the as, yeah. the as the case may be. Uh, in terms of our, our own thing here. Uh, like we've been all, all uh, kind of fairly conscious all along 
jobs are kind of the key to it. That's the main social dividend that we have uh, first off. If I go back over the three phases of workspace, uh, which is one category of job that we would uh, say that we're, we're, we're involved in assisting, and we yeah. uh, ourselves don't create many jobs as a company. We're a company of four people, uh, plus other subsidiary companies that have other people employed in various spaces. Uh, so it's really the tenants that we have that, that, that create the jobs. But if I take, first off, our enterprise spaces, if I take the tenants, secondly, that have grown in our enterprise spaces and have outgrown them yeah. and often migrated to other towns, and then I take a third and final category, those tenants in the area that we would work with, or those people, those businesses in the area with whom we'd work yeah. to try and maximise their, their full you know, potential, uh, we would be be able to bring you around and show you the colour of the eyes of in excess of 400 people that are in full-time jobs today uh, as a result of, of all of it. And that really is what it's all about. So obviously the enterprise workspace at the 74,000 square feet is critical for that. But a lot of what we do is uh, predicated on, uh, yes, it's something we need for the area and you try and make it happen. Uh, sometimes you don't get to pick the partners. Uh, there may be funding available or whatever is the case may be that you can apply for and you just literally go go forward. But at some juncture you applied to Community Finance Ireland for funding. Talk to us yes, a little bit about that experience. Uh, well, that was all very positive. Uh, we uh, did um, uh, a restructure of our finances in uh, 2016, uh, having carried the company uh, uh, through the, the, the recession to try and put ourselves on a more yeah. firm platform uh, from, from, from there on out. And uh, so we looked at what, what available uh, financiers yeah. uh, or, or finances were there exactly and, uh, and came up with a solution with Community Finance Ireland that uh, meant that we could stretch our borrowings out over an extended period and, uh, and basically service them from the, the traded income of the company. And I think maybe that's an important point at this stage as well, uh, is that one of the things that I think sets IRD apart from a lot, not we not, don't have an exclusive right on it, but uh, sets us apart a little bit from a lot of the organisations uh, around the country is that we actually survive on traded income. Uh, we're a yeah. true community business in that, in that sense. That's not to say we won't take public money and put it through, you know, for some purpose or other. Uh, but the core of the organisation, uh, the, the staffing of it, the, the light and heat bills, mm -hmm. the insurance and all that is funded totally and utterly out of traded income. So, we're so in, our, in some respects, you might also just be a social enterprise that actually makes profit. Uh, well, yes, but of course it's not in the non-profit uh, sector. So any profit yeah. that we make goes back into goes back uh, something into else something for the year. It's for an community. improvement on, on yeah. the Cairn uh, building or it's an, uh, the, the, the likes of the, the mini greenway uh, out, the, out the road or uh, additional bins with the tidy towns yeah. or uh, stuff like that for the benefit of the area. And the benefit then of the, your approach to go to Community Finance Island and say, look, we've managed to manage the books through the recession, but we now need to relook at things and uh, and stretch out a sort of a debt to a different <clears> period <throat> the benefit of that restructuring at that juncture for the business how important was that critical 
Okay. Because it allowed us to, to, to look forward, know where we were going, have a firm footing. But I suppose at the time as well, uh, when we approached Community Finance Ireland, we had 15% occupancy and that was our key flagship project. Yeah. Uh, so to be fair to Community Finance Ireland, they did take a, a complete uh, leap of faith, I suppose, along, along with us mm. uh, on, uh, you know, uh, on the, 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 the main project that we had mm. at the time that was going to generate the income uh, to actually repay the loans that we were, we were getting. You know, and thankfully that that. Uh, and we were talking to your chairperson earlier, Brian, who came up to say hello to us, uh, and uh, uh, nine generations of Kilchima in his genes, as he was able to tell mm-hmm. us. Um, with your team, and you were looking at how you were funding your projects. What did you, for our, our listeners who may be in a voluntary community somewhere in another uh, small town in the west or the east or the south, um, what can you share with uh, with us about? what you learnt from that process. Like what are the important things to get to that level of success that you've had here in Kilchimar? Um, in terms of the uh, financing, I suppose, to, 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 to try and be dealing with some organisations that, that understand your business and, and, and that can go with it. Uh, a lot of, I uh, would say, what will go on in a community uh, enterprise or social enterprise uh, is not something that maybe is... is, is um, uh, uh, is in the comfort zone of the normal bankers, if I can put it that way. Okay. And certainly we uh, found a very uh, uh, sympathetic ear in, 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 in Community Finance Ireland in that, in that regard. So there's a real <coughs> sense of finding the right partner who understands what you're about. It's, it's very helpful. Now that's not to say we, we, we have loans and, 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 and do business as well, obviously, with the, the, the normal commercial banks. Yeah. Uh, and obviously they're, 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 yeah. uh, one of them is a, a significant employer yeah. in the town and is a significant part of the infrastructure that we need to have yeah. underpinning uh, business as well. But sometimes, uh, you know, you just need the ear of the organisation that understands yeah. social, the social economy as opposed to just pure business. Okay, and and then finally, I'm just going to uh, wrap by asking you, um, just for my own personal um, interest, we have a Kevin's Wall here across the road, something that some mystic story. Tell us about that for people coming up to so Kilchima, because it's a little interesting yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's Turber Kevin, I think, is the, the, the name. Yeah. I think it's referred to locally as Turber Kevin. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a holy well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, St. Kevin's well. Uh, and the story goes that uh, if you had a stammer and you drank the water from the well, uh, that the stammer would be cured. Okay. okay. So that's why they're all great talkers in Kilchima. That could be it. <laughs> okay, Brian. The other thing is there's no water in the well. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I've never seen any water in it anyway. <laughs> well, um, Joe, thanks so much for your time. We've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, all I can say is what you've been able to build here and the people that we've spoken to has just been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you. 28 years, I think what it teaches us is that to take these uh, projects and to have a vision, it takes time, takes a bit of commitment, takes some great collaboration. And I think what you're demonstrating here is a fantastic uh, achievement in itself. So thank you very much Absolutely. for thank coming you. to talk to us. And um, we should go and get a bite of lunch, should we? I think you should. From our team at Community Finance Ireland, thank you to those volunteers and leaders who spent time sharing their success and determination. We hope you found some useful insights while listening here. Their stories demonstrate that dreamers are always welcome in our communities. You may be a dreamer today, but you too could be the change maker of the future. 
Be sure to subscribe to this series and tune in to hear our next story coming soon.